Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Mr. Beacon Podcast is sponsored by Williot, scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth. Gavin, welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. I am really delighted to have you on. I've been following what you've been doing for, for years now. And um, I, I um, so you have been amazingly successful at using Beacon technology to help people, to help people with disabilities. And so, uh, and that is non-trivial. Uh, as someone who's tried and failed to do that myself, I'm very interested in how you have... Uh, got adoption and, and persuaded people because everyone says they want to help, but everyone's busy. So let's let's talk about um, you, uh, Neatbox, your company, um, Button and Welcome, your, your offerings. And I'd love to hear some of uh, your story and lessons learned and, and, and that sort of thing. So um, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, you get offered to, to talk to somebody on the other side of the world uh, via technology, and, and you're quite obviously going to jump at it. But um, Beacons is, is something that I've been involved in um, from before they were called Beacons. Uh, in fact, I didn't even know what a beacon was. In fact, nobody knew what a beacon was when I started doing this. Um, we knew what Bluetooth was. Yes. Uh, but I'll, I'll, start from, I'll start from scratch because uh, it's worth telling the story um, from scratch. So I I joined military police in 1986. I became a police dog handler. Uh, I did it for 10 years. It was the Royal Air Force. Uh, and uh, I then got posted to a place called RAF Lucas, which is just north of Edinburgh in Scotland. And then in the last two years of my time in um, the RAF police, I was looking for what I might do at the end of that. And just up further north from where I was, was uh, a place called Forfa. And Forfa was the home of guide dogs for the blind, which is seeing eye dogs or seeing or guide dogs in the desert or whatever you have in the States. But um, And I started doing voluntary work at Guide Dogs for the Blind uh, until eventually I realized, well, this is what I wanted to do. And I went along for an interview to be a dog trainer and they went, no, 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 we don't want you to be a dog trainer because they recognized actually that a lot of my uh, real passion was with people. Uh -huh. So I actually started... I, I, was working with people and wanting to work with people and enjoying working with people more than I was with dogs, although I still enjoyed the dogs. And uh, it, it took it took me three years to do the training. I got the job. I was really lucky to get the job. It was 900 position or one position in 900 applications. So it was a real, uh, yeah. But the two years of voluntary work was kind of what got me in there, I think. But anyway, uh, 
I, I started working in, in Guide Dogs to the Blind and I was working it from 1996 onwards. And then around about 2003, 2004, or maybe even before that, as far as computers was concerned, I was never a techie. I, in fact, I loved games and that was it pretty much. But I started learning about how to use computers and we had to learn how to use computers. And then 2003, 2004, I think it was around about then, I started using or seeing my clients using GPS. Uh, and it was very early days. They had a Palm Pilot, which was, as you might imagine, a massive thing attached to them. And there was a, there was a, a speaker up here and then there was a GPS device up here. So they were walking around. But at the time, that was all there was. And, and I was really interested in the, the fact that they were using it. And then I noticed more and more people were using mobile phones. And I think the N95, Nokia N95, was the first one where I really became aware that you could get a speech package and attach it to the mobile phone. And I think it was about 300 pounds, which I get 450 bucks or something like that. And um, people were using that. And I was like, well, this is really cool because the future could potentially be more and more technology like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was, I was just interested. I was just interested. And then 2008, 2007, 2008, uh, I became aware of iPhone. And I became a iPhone because of voiceover. And voiceover had been added into the iPhone 3. I think it was 3. Uh, and people were turning up to train with guide dogs, and they were just taking out their phone and, and doing stuff. And I was like, and it was talking to them. And I just became really excited because I thought, this is a real change. The potential here is ginormous, and I needed to be involved. So generally speaking, uh, I started doing tech talks on my classes for an hour. And the guys would turn up. Uh, and they would all talk about technology. And I was learning more than I was teaching. In fact, I wasn't really teaching anything at all. So I was learning about technology and games and all and, and banking. And, but who's uh, in the audience? Uh, you, oh, sorry. These were people who were coming to train with their, with their guide dogs. Okay. So they were a two-week course. Yeah. And oh, I would okay. then be teaching them how to use the dogs. And, and it's worth pointing out, this is me <laughs> back in the day. Excellent. So this was me looking very relaxed and demonstrated, and this is one of the guys I was training. Okay. Uh, we'll come back to this picture in a second, but so yeah, where that's, is that? I, that's I, somewhere in Edinburgh. Is it? It looks uh, it's just outside Edinburgh, a place called Musselburgh, okay. uh, along the coast. And yeah, I was training the guys how to use guide dogs, and they were teaching me about technology. And whenever it rained, I would say, "Let's do more technology and not go out and get wet." Uh, so it was quite a lot of technology. Um, but I kind of realised at one point that this was the future. Technology was going to be the future. Uh, and in fact, just the other day, I was thinking to myself, if I took a dog, uh, two dogs, and I bred them, and I thought, what can I achieve in 50 to 100 years if I wanted to breed a certain characteristic? Mm -hmm. And I put a lot of effort into this. Mm -hmm. The most I could do was turn that dog breed in the generations that I had. I could maybe improve its scenting, its fighting, its biting, its guarding, or whatever, its shepherding. Mm -hmm. I could maybe improve it to a certain extent, but not by much. And then I thought, I wonder what we could do with technology in 50 to 100 years. I don't, we, we couldn't even think. Yeah. I couldn't. I, I don't know anybody who would actually go, yeah, in 100 years' time, we're going to be doing this. I, I can't even imagine. When you consider Moore's graph and what we've done since the 1970s and 80s, or even the last five years, it's just insane. So um, I became more interested. I got myself an iPhone because that was the that was the piece of kit that people were using at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just practiced with voiceover, and I got more adapt with it. And then I started thinking, I wonder how I could utilize it. And one of the things, if we go back to that picture for a second, was how does somebody who's visually impaired, when they arrive here, right. how do they then get to the pole to press the button? Yes. You'll notice this fellow behind me. Yes. Uh, so how do they press the button at the crossing? And I thought, well, wouldn't it be good if the phone did that? And that was it. I didn't go, I've got a, solu I've got a solution 
how what can I fit it into? It was like, I wonder if I can press the button with a mobile phone. And at the time, uh, I was told about Bluetooth, and we did a study, and it was like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, uh, RFID, mm-hmm. uh, NFC was in its infancy, I think, when I was looking at this. Um, and somebody said Bluetooth was the only way, but it meant we had to do a handshake. So it meant you couldn't really do a route you didn't know. You were always doing a handshake to the actual crossing. Okay. And then that was 2011, November 2011. And in January 2012, somebody said to me, um, have you heard of this new thing that's coming out called BLE? Uh, it'll be called Bluetooth 4.0. And I went, would that work? And he went, well, we can give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And by the September of that year, I think it was that year, it might have been the year after, somebody said, oh, that's a beacon. But I was like, well, I'm already using it, but I didn't know it was a beacon. If I didn't have a clue what it was, yeah. as far as I was concerned, it just meant that I could press the button. Yes. Uh, and we put the chip onto a board on a PCB. We opened this up. Uh, in 15 minutes, we could take one of these that didn't have it, and we could put our chip inside. So it's just a very, very simple wiring it into the process so that as the person approaches the crossing, their mobile phone presses the button. And we'll just show you it working, seeing as we're here. Yeah. Perfect. So it's called Button. Yes. Uh, this is it looking for pedestrian crossings. Yes. That's it found a pedestrian crossing. Okay. If I now press that. Yeah. Oh. You see the one over here? Love it. <laughs> uh, and that's it started the sequence. And okay. now it's on the green man. So how do I know if... Uh, so if I um, if I'm visually impaired, how can I use that interface? Oh well, um, so uh, many people won't know about this, but if we go into Apple again, app, this is this is why Apple's so brilliant for people who are visually impaired. If we go into settings, yes, so if we go into settings and go to general, yeah, uh, click on general, and you've got accessibility, and there's loads of stuff in accessibility, but the very top one is a thing called voiceover. Yeah, you turn on voiceover. Turn on my sound. Health folder, games folder, docs folder, inclusion. And what folder. does that sound like with button? And um, so with button itself, um, if I open tap, that up again. To open. Need a box apps folder. Six app opening button. Crossing is red. Button is not been pressed. <laughs> Let's turn on music. So I, I can press the button there, yeah. and then it, it does it through that, and it just presses the button. However, um, it doesn't actually need to talk because it, it can do it automatically. So if I go into settings, yeah, uh, and I turn on auto button press, yes, and then put that in my pocket, yes. Uh, as I'm talking to you, that light will come on in a few minutes' time or a couple of minutes' time, yeah. and it's the phone just pressing the button automatically. So all I have to do is approach the crossing, get to the curb edge, and just wait for the button to press the button and, and do the whole thing. And then it will have an audible signal coming from the crossing. We've turned off the audible signal on here because it, it can be a, a complete nightmare when, um, when you actually have the, the thing going on all the time. Yeah, and I can imagine if you're blind then, uh, or visually impaired, then not having to find that button is going to be a godsend. Yeah, yeah, massive. But when I got into this, I was thinking about visual impairment. Mm -hmm. But the more I spoke to people, the more I realized that actually this was a bigger problem for people who were in mobility scooters, wheelchair users, who couldn't even reach the button. And these are pictures of one chap who had severe problems in actually 
reaching buttons and, and getting to them. In fact, he was in danger whenever he did. So it, it became apparent to me that I was actually solving a problem for way more than just visually impaired people. If you think about the UK, there are only 300,000 people registered blind, and yet there are 13 million people who are registered with a disability. Now, not all of those are people that would need this, but if you think about Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, wheelchair users, mobility scooter users, uh, walking frame users, uh, maybe even a parent just pushing a pram. And that's a really important point here, is that disabled doesn't mean handicapped right. or whatever, whichever term somebody uses. The yeah. person does not have the disability. It's the function, the process they're trying to achieve that disables them if there isn't enough thought in the design of the process. So if this button is really low down and I can press it and I'm in a wheelchair, I'm not disabled by the crossing. Mm -hmm. But if the button was twice as high, the crossing has disabled me. Yeah, I have a medical condition that is causing me to need to take tablets or to be in a wheelchair, but actually imagine a situation where we both go into work. Well, in fact, no, we are both sitting down. Would it matter if either of us was a wheelchair user? Absolutely not. It's disabled right now. Yes. If one of us, neither of us is disabled. So would I label you as disabled if you were a wheelchair user? No, we're not being disabled by the environment. So the way I saw it was all I wanted to do is in enable people. Which, which removed their disability in that situation. Well, I think this is very exciting because, you know, one of the challenges you always have is getting uh, the people that own the infrastructure to act. And it's not because they're bad people or unsympathetic. It's just they're trying to make their money go so far. And But, but I think what you're outlining is there's a big constituency that can benefit from better accessibility. And uh, you are leveraging this piece of technology that, Every, every, everybody has. How uh, challenging was it to get that interface with the box? I mean, you're in Edinburgh. Um, are, are all the boxes the same in Edinburgh, or do you, do you have to interface with a variety yeah. of? They're all kind of similar. And if we, I mean, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a te technical person by any stretch of the imagination. But this is an on-off switch. Yes. So if I open that up. Anybody who knows anything about electronics is going to go, yeah, that's on and that's off. Okay. So what I have to do is interrupt that system to turn it on or turn it off. Now, every single pedestrian crossing in the world yes. has an off switch. Yes. So it, to me, it just makes perfect sense that I would just use this as a non-off switch. Yeah. Somebody once said to me, he said, this is really clever but incredibly stupid at the same time. <laughs> what you've done is similar to putting a television on your bedside table, turning the television on, putting on a white screen, yes. reading a book by the light of the TV. Yeah. So you've taken the technology that can do loads, like Bluetooth Low Energy can, and you've so underutilized it that nobody else who's any, got any brain would actually have done it. So it was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. So are you giving, have you given me a compliment by telling me this? <laughs> you just said you're too stupid to come up with something complicated. Uh, it sounds very but, British. We, we love to undermine each other and belittle each other. But we also have a sense of pride about it at the same time. So, but, um, so how, uh, how's it going? How, how, uh, how, how, how is it being used and where has it been deployed? 
Yeah, so uh, we were offered a Transurf, who are uh, the Transport Scotland have a wing for accessibility and trunk roads, mm-hmm. uh, and Transurf are that wing in Scotland. And Transurf approached us, having saw uh, seen a few things that we had done, and said, any chance that you could install a couple of these crossings in Largs, which is a small town on the west coast of Scotland? And we said, well, yeah, we'll give you a price. And we gave them a price for two crossings in Largs. And they said, oh, right, okay. At that price, we could afford to do the entire town. No, it's not a big town. It's it's ten crossings, but right. we did the whole town, Fantastic. Uh, and so every crossing in the town is now operated by this monster, yeah. an Apple Watch, yes, which is an Apple Watch doing something really useful rather than sports. Uh, so it's kind of or, or health and fitness. Uh, so we installed in the whole town of Lards, and then last year, because this is early days, it was only last July that we managed to do that. Um, but um, since then, we won the Department for Transport uh, CIHT Award for Transportation Innovation. And we've also been nominated for a Department for Transport, uh, Scottish Transport um, Award for Technology and Innovation here, Accessible Transport. So we're starting to get really noticed. Now, we also installed at Royal Bank of Scotland headquarters here in Edinburgh. It's taken them a while to realise what they've got because, well, they're not set up to look at pedestrian crossings. But because it was on private land, it made a really good test site for us. So we're installed there as well. And we've got another one outside a school mm-hmm. um, where the teachers said we don't have enough time to cross the road. And the beauty of this system is because the crossing has recognised that the button was pressed by the phone, it can actually increase the crossing time. Oh, okay. Which is a massive step. Yeah. Or turn on an audible signal being turned off. So your audible signal could be turned on. So for a crocodile, as they call them, of children crossing road all at the same time, instead of having to split the crocodile in two, they can just have the phone press the button and the entire crocodile goes across in one uh, sequence. So if, if there's a mayor that wants to be seen as having a smart city, because everyone, I think they're under pressure to do, to do smart city. What does that mean? To me, this is very smart. Smart cities. Um, well, for a start, smart cities is stupid. Um, smart towns and villages, that's intelligent. Why would you try and change a city when actually what you're better off doing? And even when you do a smart, uh, smart solution in a city, you only do a couple of streets. Well, that's what a village is, a couple of streets. So do it in a village. Uh, And that's pretty much what I did. I I looked at putting it into a town, which is a village size in the UK. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but it's a smart city solution. Mm -hmm. And and the beauty, I guess, or the reason why we haven't really been noticed is because we didn't go through any of the normal routes. We didn't do smart city funding. We didn't do Innovate UK. We did this all our own money. We did this just by going, what could we do? And it's, again, typically British sort of, a tin can and a piece of string sort of type thing and and just trying to make do with what you've got. And that sometimes forces you to be very ingenious or innovative. And that's pretty much what we did. We went, well, let's just do it ourselves. What do we need? Let's do it on a shoestring, which is, which is what we did. So we've kind of snuck on, snuck up on the smart city environment because Mm -hmm. nobody really knows we exist yet. They do now, but Mm -hmm. I think more and more people are becoming, are going, my God, look at that. They didn't even do it using the systems that have been put in place. You don't have to, I mean, being argumentative or being or pointing out some serious stuff here is the smart city industry is worth billions. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people taking a lot of money without providing a lot of solutions. It's, I'm not saying it's a racket, but because everybody's well-meaning and wanting to find solutions. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I don't think the amount of solutions that are coming out is equates to the amount of money that's gone in. 
Uh, and certainly as far as the ones I've seen, it's not really been as effective as it should have been. So how many buttons have you got out there? How many people are using the app and how many uh, crossings are enabled so far? We've, we've just got the one town and one village, uh-huh. uh, Locker Briggs and Largs. Uh-huh. Uh, we do have sites in uh, what well, Royal Bank of Scotland, uh, but it takes time. Yes. And part, uh, part of that reasoning is uh, certification. You need to get certification. Now, certification in the UK is, you can imagine the amount of red tape that you're going to have to cut through to get through all of that certification. But uh, it t- it's challenging and it's costly. Uh, and all that's going to happen is somebody's going to rubber stamp it because there's nothing about this that can cause any grief because all it is is a stick. It's just pressing the button from a distance. There's nothing, we don't, we don't really interact with the crossing in any way whatsoever other than just pressing the button. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the certificate, certification process is one that uh, I knew was going to take time because we're also coming from the outside. We're, we are what everybody loves and what everybody hates when, when it happens to them, which is disruptive. Mm-hmm. We're a very disruptive company that has no history of uh, innovation in the transport field who's got an innovation in the transport field. So I would imagine people would be like, who are they coming along to do this? So we're trying to squeeze into that market and it takes time. But looking at that from a very positive way, it has meant, and I know we'll talk about it shortly, is it's meant that I've been able to come up with loads of other solutions using that technology and what has actually evolved from loads of other type of technologies. And we can talk about that. Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about it now. Tell us about Welcome. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, yeah, Welcome um, was, again, another one that came particularly from me observing a problem first. It wasn't, oh, I've got this technology, how can I use it, even though I knew what the technology was. It was, I've seen a problem, how can I fix that problem? And it's a problem that uh, will be, everybody will go, yeah. Why didn't I think of that when I explain it? So uh, you are a person in a wheelchair or you're a person who's blind or you're a person who's got a hearing impairment or you're a person with a hidden disability like autism or dyslexia or diabetes or epilepsy. And you go into a shop and you meet somebody in the shop and the person in the shop goes, "Uh, uh, 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 uh," because they don't know how to interact with you. Now, what we do, let's just say we went into that shop and we went, oh, that was really rubbish customer service. And we complained to the manager. The manager says, yes, 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 certainly. I will make sure this is fixed. And they then talk to the staff member. And this is very simplified. They talk to the staff member and they say, right, you're going on a course of diversity training. And we're also going to send you away to do some sighted guide training for blind people. You're going to do a little bit of uh, deafblind manual or 
BSL or American Sign Language, uh, or we're going to send you away, you're going to do some awareness or autism or something like that. And then the person comes back, and for the next six months, they're fantastic. And then after that, either they forget because they've never used it, or they move jobs. Yeah. And you all those positions, uh, which are temporary, tourism, yeah. hotel and... churn is huge in the service industry. It's just a reality, and it's never going to change. You train 100% of your staff, not that you ever could, and within within one year, only 90% of your staff will have been trained. Now, either you keep that churning and spending a fortune on trying to do it, uh, or you just let it lapse. But even if you were to keep it trained, the people trained, which would cost a fortune, sooner or later, one staff member who hasn't had all of the training is going to make that mistake again. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what happens then is... The person makes a complaint. The manager says, uh, 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 you're a bad guy. You need to go away and do some training. And the whole process starts again. Yeah. And you go, why are we doing that? That's just repeating every single time. Uh, and it never improves. It just gets worse. So, and you so think, what's the solution? Yeah, so um, what we did was utilizing the smartphone again. And that's our conduit in this situation, knowing that people who were disabled were using smart technology, using the accessibility functions within it. Mm -hmm. um, and thought, well, if we had three points of contact uh, so that when I was going into a venue, the person in the venue knew I was coming. Mm -hmm. uh, and then utilizing the phone to make the initial contact, but then utilizing the technology so that the phone could stay in my pocket, mm -hmm. I could then walk through the door of the building and the person would go, ah, oh, Gavin, how are you? Mm -hmm. My name is Michael. Uh, I know that you are here to meet such and such a person. Um, would you like to take my arm? We've already got a chair next door for you where it's away from the light or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Or I know you want to open a phone or I know that you want to open a bank account or I know you want to tra tra travel to this place. So what we did was we put in the information in the phone to start with in welcome uh, and you then get the opportunity to search for a venue. So you mm -hmm. search for a venue, mm -hmm. then click on the venue you want to go to and it gives you information about that venue. And the information in here could be uh, accessibility features, opening times, the Google map. Uh, it can give you venue information that's provided by the organizations like these guys, Disabled Go and Ewan's Guide. Mm -hmm. And all that information is available for you to see if anybody's done a review on it. You can then say you're going to the venue and it says when. Mm -hmm. So let's go tomorrow. I click on tomorrow. It says, what would you like? Uh, I would like to open a bank account. Mm -hmm. I would upgrade my phone, whatever it is. And then you hit done, hit okay. That message has now gone and is on the computer using a URL web server, mm -hmm. is on the computer for the venue you're going to. So they look down and they can see your name, they can see your face, they can see the area that you need assistance with. Mm -hmm. They then get to see an overview of the disability that you have, mm -hmm. general overview, no personal information, and five top tips on what they should do when they meet you. So when the person starts walking towards the venue, they hit a geofence. Right. As soon as they hit a geofence, another message, it's actually a phone call, goes to the venue to say the person is now two minutes away. So have another look at the overview and the top tips so that you are prepared for when they walk through the door to give them service that is directly required by them. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as they hit the door or close to the door, they get within the range of a beacon and the phone sees the beacon and then sends another message to say the person has arrived. 
I think this is fantastic and a really broad set of applications. I, I mean, I, uh, I have a son, he, he's on the autism spectrum and, you, you know, you really wouldn't know it until you start to kind of get into a conversation and maybe, maybe not. But I always, as a parent, I'm like, gosh, I, I hope someone doesn't, you know, react badly. They may just think that, you know, they, they may not yeah. deal with him in, in a way that they would want to if they, they, they knew more about it. So I think this is a, yeah. a wonderful yeah. thing, you know. Well, Look at acquired brain injury. So somebody who's injured themselves in a car crash or they're a military veteran yeah. uh, and they give the impression they might be drunk. Right. And they're a 25-year-old guy. He goes into the pub. Yeah. The guy says, you can't come in. Yeah. And he's already kind of pent up in this situation. Yeah. I'm not drunk. Yeah. Uh, and it's a hidden disability. And we have nothing for hidden disability yeah. apart from education. And even then, how would I know if you hadn't have told me that your son had autism? Yeah. Yeah. to be sort of social worker or yeah. try and or to have experience of it. So to give that information if I want them to have it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, so what have you been doing at Edinburgh Airport? I saw you'd been doing something there. Yeah, we launched last week uh, at Edinburgh Airport. It's the first airport in the world which is utilizing this system. They were really positive because airports, I mean, Edinburgh is a small airport by comparison. It's got, but it's still got 80,000 disabled people going through a year. And that's the ones who say that they're disabled. That doesn't say that's not the the percentage that isn't. So, um, and it's really this is a, an amazing stat. It will be the same in the states. Thirty percent of people who are disabled have an obvious disability. Seventy percent have hidden disability. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people we're not catering for yeah. who are just going. Well, I'll just I'll just go. Yeah. I'll try and hassle anybody. But that's a whole host of different conditions. Now, if I want somebody to know that I've got dyslexia. I could turn up and they could explain to me what time the, the train is or they could read to me the form instead of just passing it in the bank, passing it underneath the thing and saying sign here mm -hmm. and the person goes, I don't even know what I'm signing. Well, what if they just knew instead of me going, excuse me, I've got dyslexia and five people in the queue going, uh, dyslexic. Why not that person knowing before I walk through the door that I have something that means that they need to change how they do stuff in order to help me. And that's really important. What I'm doing here is improving the life of the person who's giving the service. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think people can get so much out of helping other people, but they sometimes need help in order to give that help. And, yeah. and it's a win-win-win. Yeah, and the, the equality here is just beautiful because the balance yes. has changed. Yes. The, the balance is both people benefit. Yes. And, yes. But it's benefiting from the point of view of the person who is disabled dictating dictating how they're going to benefit. Yes. So yeah. they're empowered to make the change. And even within the app, they can request where they want the service next. And that comes straight through to my business development manager who phones up the venue and says, hi, we've had 50, 20, 1,000 people say that your business should install this system. Yeah, and then the business says, we'll do it. So one brief anecdote. Uh, back in my Qualcomm days, we did this uh, beacon-enabled um, customer experience at a coffee bar. It was the local coffee bar. And uh, basically, you'd have the app, and there would be a beacon. You got close to the barista, and basically the barista could greet you by name, and they could um, – you, you didn't have to – it was no tap payment. So basically, your face, the fact that there was a beacon connection, allowed you to get in and out quickly. But the barista – had to have an extra tablet and there was this extra system and we were really worried that they were just going to get so cheesed off with it. But that wasn't the situation at all. They loved it. They loved it because suddenly 
because they were getting smiles from people who were their customers, and the um, it was a it was a virtuous circle. People loved the system. The baristas loved giving the better service, and so I think yeah. I can see the same dynamic with uh, with uh, welcome. So, how much yeah. does it cost? Because you've sold me. I, if I had a venue, then I'd be using it. But uh, yeah, so uh, well, and, and in, if, uh, we'll have a link to the the uh, airport video, but. The Minister for Social Welfare, the Scottish Minister for Social Welfare, said to us, I want to come and promote this. I want to come and promote what you guys are doing. And we're a private in, private business. I mean, she yeah. didn't have to do yeah. that at all, yeah. but she promoted yeah. it. Uh, and uh, she said every business needs to have this. And the beauty of this system, because it's a SaaS model, is that every business can have it. Yeah. Because we're charging a really small, we, we do a small setup fee, yeah. uh, which is training of the staff. Mm -hmm. uh, and installation of the beacon, which is, as you know, incredibly simple. Yeah. And also we, we commit to uh, market research uh, and marketing that we give them. So we help them market the, the fact that they've installed it. And then we also do account management. So we're there on the other end of the phone to help them through the year if they have a situation which they didn't cope with or cater for. So it's a SaaS model. They pay an upfront fee depending on the size. It's not really size dependent, but if they're an airport, then it's going to be a bit more than if it was a coffee shop. Yeah. So we install it and then they have an entire year of having the service and the marketing and all support and the staff training for a SaaS model cost. And it could be uh, from 100 bucks to 200 bucks a month, which is small potatoes for these things. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I, I, I wish you well. I, I think those are two wonderful projects. And uh, so if people want to find you, um, uh, how can they find you? So neat, neatbox.com, and it's N-E-A-T-E. -E, so there's an E right in the middle, right. box.com. Uh, they could write to us at hello at Neatbox. Uh, and I'm very happy to, to hear from people and talk. We know that the North American market, the Australian market, any English-speaking market will be our first port of call, yeah. and it's actually quite easy for us to transfer it. It's more to do with scale. The company's small at this point, yeah. but with investment, we're going through an investment round, um, we could quite easily get to America. And the beauty of what we've got uh, is the fact that when you go into the overview, you've then got the next, you've got... Um, uh, top tips overview and then resource and the resource is a direct link to the charity and we've got great relationship with all the charities that have given us the overviews and the top tips so the staff member clicks on that and they get all that information so that's tied into the, the whole process as well but if people want to contact us they just go hello at neatbox uh, or neatbox.com for all the information if you go on to Google uh, or if you YouTube it, there are so many videos of me. It's tiring for, for my team to see me constantly on, on YouTube. But uh, yeah, there's so much out there, and I'm I would love to hear from people. But I don't want to just hear from business owners. I want to hear from users because this is a user revolution. Uh, if we had 50,000 people in the states saying I think that this needs to be in Walmart, mm -hmm. Walmart are going to say this needs to be in Walmart. Yes. Uh, and I will go there in a moment and I will get it in Walmart. And those guys will get better service and they'll have more people going through the door and people will be happier to go in and use it. So from, I mean, we're in Scottish, Scottish government took us last month. So we're now installed with the Scottish government, but we're with uh, Hilton Doubletree. Mm -hmm. uh, or Doubletree Hilton. We're with um, little coffee shops. We're with, we've just won an award for the rail uh, safety board to put it into trains with Virgin East Coast trains. Um, uh, we're, I mean, we've got so many. We've got St. Andrew's Links 
golf club, uh, which uh, anybody who's in golf in America, they know exactly where that is. They've just installed it. But we're also the Falkirk Wheeler and RNIB, Guide Dogs for the Blind, Deaf, uh, Deaf Blind UK. These charities have all got it in their head offices as well. So uh, we're, we're rocking and rolling over here. And I want to come to, I'd love to come to the States and do stuff over there. And even just to come and talk, it would be a pleasure. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to try and find a really good excuse for you to come to San Diego. That would be great. Oh, if it's not happening in San Diego, it's not happening. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Gavin Neat of Neatbox, I'm so pleased after years of watching what you do and admiring it, we got a chance to talk. Thanks for coming on the show. It's a real pleasure. It's a real pleasure. Uh, so what three songs would you take on a trip to Mars? Steve, uh, there's no way on God's earth that I would be Gavin Neat if I'm in charge of Neatbox if I didn't actually twist Neatbox into the songs that I've picked in some way. <laughs> and the, the truth is, and the God's honest truth is that my life is so dedicated to what I do that it's impossible for it not to be all pervading. So it's very, it was very easy to find songs that have meant something to me while I've been on this journey. Uh, and there's three that I definitely have, and they all they all have a really good connection to what I'm doing, why I do it. And the first one uh, was probably my first experience of YouTube, which is interesting because it's a song, but it's a YouTube video that went with the song, yeah. and uh, it was an absolute corker. It was done. It was called um, Pran by Gary Scheiman. Okay. And you you might not know the name of the song or the name of the the artist, but you probably, in fact, I'm fairly certain you'll have heard of where where the hell is Matt? All right. Yeah. Uh, Matt Harding uh, is, has got a company himself now, but he did traveling around the world at one yes. point, yes. and he did this once where he's doing this. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's stunning. And, and I remember watching that, and at the time, it just really made my heart beat faster because although he was traveling, he did it off his own back to start with, but. Um, it's him on his own, and then he's surrounded by people, they all just join him, and eventually you don't see him at all. And the fact is that because you're traveling around the world and you're seeing all these people, you realize, and they're all doing a stupid dance, you realize that we're all people of the same planet, it doesn't matter what city you're in or anything, and the music's so beautiful, and I love the way it builds, and I love the way it means something, and I think when music means something to you when, and when I can connect it to technology and then I'm, I was just like over the moon when I thought about it I thought well it's got to be that one because it means a lot to it's my journey of, uh, of te understanding technology so Matt Harding uh, or rather Gary Scheiman with Pran uh, is definitely one that I have in there the second one is actually um, just as much for the country I live in and the city I live in as it is for the song although the song is absolutely fantastic uh, many of the people that you have watching might might have heard of a chap called Danny McCaskill. And if you haven't heard his name, you might have seen his videos. Mm -hmm. Danny's a, a, mount, a mountain biker, but a trick, a mountain biker. And he did uh, a piece by an inspired, inspired Cycles that was filmed in Edinburgh using street signs and fences and trees and street infrastructure. Uh, and uh, the song that went behind it was called The Funeral by um, Band of Hit Horses. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely beautiful, and I reckon it's another YouTube video, uh, but it's such a beautiful video that you connect to what you're seeing. Now, I, I never really connected lyrics to music, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, I can connect what I see 
to music. Mm-hmm. And if it conjures up a feeling, an emotion in me while I'm watching it, then it's just absolutely tremendous. And what Danny has done for Scotland and his stuff on Scotland is absolutely stunning. Uh, I mean, his stunt riding is remarkable and he's getting on a bit now, but he still does it. Uh, and he's a remarkable guy. I've met him a couple of times and he just went, yeah, side signature and a chat for five minutes. He's just a top guy. So the, the music, Funeral by the Band of Hero, uh, Horses, is, is just gorgeous and I recommend people to listen to that. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is very personal because it's my sister. Uh, and uh, my sister, she did six albums in the time that she was a musician. She's now she's now a farmer. But uh, at the time she was a musician. She's a remarkable lady. And uh, she paid for them all herself. She just went, I know what I'm doing, and I'm going to go and do that. Both my brother and sister are both remarkable people, and uh, I don't know if I'm cut from the same cloth, but I certainly have the, I'm just going to do that. Uh, and it's a song called Rocket Ship. Uh, and I kind of connected that, uh, obviously it's my sister, but I connected it to the fact that I am going to Mars. And it's what she takes with her. She goes, right, well, what would you take to Mars? And a lot of people might say technology and all these sorts of things. She's like, well, I'm after toothbrush, toothpaste, paper and pen because she's a writer and she wants to write. So she gets to Mars and she's writing songs. Beautiful. I, I have to applaud you. Uh, those are wonderful choices. Um, we should we should do, give you another five and make a whole show out of it. But uh, And the three's, three's enough. <laughs> right. Terrific. That's great. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.